Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, we have a lot to get into tonight, uh, starting with a, a pretty dominant win for the Gators uh, last night at, at Zach Tech Arena. Yeah, good to get that one without too much drama. Uh, I, again, it was one of those things where on the broadcast, I was flipping, of course, between the uh, the radio and and the TV as I as I now do, and never thought I'd be that kind of person. But and even as we talked about the talked about the game, it's one of those things where it was it's it's kind of like tiptoeing around like what's must win and what's not because it's like is there any must win game at the end of January? But also, man, this would have been a devastating one for for the Gators to drop. Um, something just at, even as some kind of bit of context. So you know, South Carolina was in the two forties and Ken Palm going into that game. And it was like when the Gators lost to Texas Southern last year, Texas Southern was like two hundreds. So that Texas Southern team, like if that Texas Southern team played this South Carolina team, Texas Southern would be favored. So um, of course we didn't want to see the Gators take a loss of even worse than Texas Southern um, level. So it was kind of nice for the Gators to go out, throw that first punch and just kind of coast to, to an easy victory. Uh, that is just exactly, exactly what this team needed. Yeah, it really was. One other thing that would be good before we dive into the South Carolina game is the uh, creeping up of FSU in the net uh, that has been going on since Baba Miller returned. Um, and it's not like Miller is playing or, or putting up big numbers, but just his presence seems to be helping. They obviously had their doors blown off by Miami. Um a couple nights ago. So that kind of slowed the the creeping rise a little bit, but they are getting ever so close to making Florida have another quad two win. So that would be really, really fortuitous if FSU could get into that, that area. You predict that the Mississippi state game will hold as a quadrant one. You know what? I, I think it like, I did not think it would Eric, um, and maybe I got, maybe this could be just me overreacting at one game, but they played really well at Alabama last night. And so now I'm kind of like, you know what? They've gotten through this murderer's row that their schedule, you know, the SEC did Mississippi state zero favors. And now they kind of get the soft landing on the second half. And I think it'll hold. Yeah, that would of course certainly be nice. I, I have been decided exactly what I think. I mean, they did play really well against Alabama, but uh, it's one of those things now that they are playing a softer bit of the SEC schedule. You could see uh, if they were to drop some, um, it could hurt. Yeah, we'll definitely know a little bit more about them as well after Saturday. But uh, yeah, it's kind of that uh, that point of the season for the first time. I took a look at um, a tool that unfortunately fans who've listened to this for several years will be very familiar with. It's the Bart Korvik um, rooting guide where you can see what games you or who you want to root for in, in different games um, in order for you know the team you support to get uh, a better NCAA tournament resume. So if you're interested in that, you can go look at, uh, go look at that plug in Florida and see uh, who you want to cheer for in, in different games to help Florida's resume. And of course, you know, Mississippi state holding as a quadrant one game would be, uh, would be absolutely massive, but uh, that was not the quality of competition they were playing um, uh, with South Carolina, who is um, honestly like not to be d disrespectful or anything, but it was one of those, times where like watching that South Carolina team, it was almost sad. Like some of these, a lot, it just seemed like a lot of these players were like, this is a team of players that of everyone other than GD Jackson seeming to be like 
in over their heads a little bit. It, it just didn't seem fun for anyone on the floor or unfortunately on the, on the sideline for Lamont Paris or Eddie Shannon or anyone else. Um, it's of course a rebuild year. So you knew there was going to be some, some tough games, but uh, yeah, this is a, this is a team that has largely mid-major talent. And uh, I think it kind of, you know, looked like it with how they played against the Gators. Yeah. I mean, look, Kentucky is a great, it's an interesting case because they're um, they like Florida, they're one and six in quad one games. Um, but they have a st- albatross of a quad four loss to South Carolina. And it's, like watching that game last night, it's just mystifying how Kentucky could lose to them. Um, quite honestly, like Josh Gray, I would add, seems to be improved at South Carolina just from what I saw last night. Um, in my 100 games in one calendar year, I'll be in Columbia <laughs> next next week to see uh, another Rock Quarry game because I'm going to the Miss State South Carolina game. So pray mm. for me all. Um, but uh, Josh Gray looked pretty good. 11 points, 13 rebounds. Like, seems to like have developed a couple of post moves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than him, like him and Gigi Jackson, and it's just like a mess. Like, I thought Michi Johnson was much better, and he played terrible. Um, you know, Chico Carter hit a couple threes, but he's a sieve defensively. I mean, they are just a hot mess. And then on the flip side, um, you know, Florida's guards just continue to play uh, very, very well, Eric. Yeah, you got to start with Myron Jones flirting with a triple-double. Uh, the Ooh. Gators made every – so here, here is the perfect, um, you know, like I said, where you've got to you – if, if you're – everyone has to do this once. I'm telling you, every Florida basketball fan has to – uh, has to at one point listen to the radio broadcast during a game or at least be able to flip to it because again a great Lee Humphrey moment who Lee Humphrey again in hilarious fashion in my opinion is just able to listen in on timeouts and say exactly what he heard so he described <laughs> the play perfectly what uh, what Todd Golden drew up at the end of the game in, in in an attempt to try to get Myron Jones um, some more assists so again just a great moment on the radio broadcast you're just not going to get that anywhere there's no way they would allow that on television quite frankly but Lee, Lee Humphrey is calling out what he's seeing um, in after timeout plays. So uh, Todd Golden was, made, you know, try to do it for for Myron Jones to to get a couple more assists. And of course, he's you know short in a couple categories, but um, he played an excellent game. And I think a lot of it came down to uh, as well. I think something, and I, I would assume this is something in the scouting report because. Myron Jones was coming off these ball screens and like his first read was looking for the corner skip and he was just rifling it every single time. And uh, it was there and it was open every single time, which like maybe that was just great reads by Myron Jones, but I think it was probably a mix of the Gators had a scout with what they were looking to do with those ball screens. And um, Myron Jones was able to execute at a high level in ways that like, again, he came off these, the first, I'll say the second time he did it, came off a ball screen immediately just ripped a, straight line drive pass into the shooting pocket of a player in the corner. And it, it just, it was, it was, again, just one of those moments where like it, it he just in, truly looked like a different player than what we saw last year. Like just physically confidence wise, every single part of it was, was so different. Yeah. And again, I just like, it just seems like other than the jump shot, which I still recoil at times um, when it leaves his hand um, between his, uh, his defense, which again was, was very, very good, but I think it was his, uh, his uh, career high in assists. I believe it was a career high and uh, yep. distribution. That was, uh, that was super, super impressive. And, and again, like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those games where he was not facing a, 
athleticism deficiency like he will in some other games. So he was able to play guys he was as quick or quicker than or as athletic as. And and uh, he won every single matchup. I thought he was uh, very, very good. Yeah, and you know what? A second straight game where you mentioned the jump shot, like, and again, we're still on the 10-game Byron Jones slander, man. Oh, right, so, right. People have, asked me about, people have asked if there's going to be an extension or or, or it's going to be taken off. So I even I, I, I had no answers for them. Even I forgot about it. So I'm glad to get it. <laughs> All I know is that, uh, you know, three games into the no slander, man, Myron in the last two games is four of 15 from the field. And you're still looking at him and saying he's playing terrific. So, you know, the shot's not going in, um, but – uh, he was 0-3 from three-point range. Um, took a couple kind of heat checks when I didn't really think he was hot. But it's okay when, I, like I tweeted out, I think he's the best passer on the team, and I will defend that. I mean, he he has such good um, – he has a wonderful ability to kind of not telegraph his passes, Eric. Like depending on where he is on the floor, he will look off – and then, like you said, he'll rifle a back uh, pass to a back cutter. Or if he's driving on the baseline, he's great at like looking off the bigs and then still making the, the duck in pass or the pass to the perimeter that usually is pretty predictable and can get tipped or turn, force a turnover. He does all of that really well. Career high last night in rebounds too for him. Um, and then over the last two games, him and Kyle Lofton, 22 assists, zero turnovers. Yeah, and uh, again, a South Carolina defense that was that's just searching for answers, throwing that zone against the wall a little bit just to see if it could confuse the Gators. And um, of course, they weren't. Gators were not bothered by that. Uh, and uh, it's, I also just point this out. To, so Myron Jones does have a higher assist rate than uh, Kyle Lofton for whatever it's worth um, when it comes to your who's the best passer situation. Um, but uh, yeah, just like the Gators had a good game plan against against the zone when it came for South Carolina. Uh, again, they knew what they wanted to do against ball screens. And uh, that's, again, it's just one of those things where it's like when you're playing a team that's as poor as South Carolina has been, um, it went about ex- exactly as, as you wanted. And 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 uh, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. I, I, I'll mention once again our kind of post-game thoughts that we do for, for our Patreon supporters who uh, we are so thankful for. Soon we got to start shouting some people out here from the, from the Patreon for sure. But um, one thing I talked about there, and again, I, I, I hate being the one to like pour water on a, you know, after a win or, or pour cold water on, on, on something like this, but it's like one of those games where like, it was definitely great to see the Gators put up points and be efficient, but it's like, man, when, when South Carolina was playing a very like junky kind of novelty zone, and the Gators were able to kind of pick it apart. Like that, that's awesome. And you love to see that, but it's like, at least for me, it, it maybe doesn't make me feel any more confident when they are going to go face a good man to man defense next. Uh, but I don't know. Do you, do you disagree, Neil? Or like when the Gators have, like are, when you look at the Gators offensive performance uh, against South Carolina, like, are you, you feeling any better? Are you unchanged, unmoved or what's where you at? Yeah, I'm kind of unmoved. Um, I, what I'm really okay. So I'm kind of unmoved. I'm also kind of encouraged in one respect. So I'll go with what I'm encouraged with first. This is the first time all season. They've had three straight games where they've been under 10 turnovers. Um, and I'm really impressed that they did that against Miss state who I think is excellent defensively. 
Uh, so that's encouraging, right? Um, in terms of what they did against South Carolina, where they post their best PPP since uh, I think Stony Brook, <laughs> um, you know, which also was zone. Uh, I told Graham Hall on our podcast in the preview that like, I thought that Lamont Paris was going to start playing more zone because at least analytically they were playing better zone than they were playing man defense for whatever that was worth. Uh, like they're a terrible man defense team. And so, you know, they trotted out this one, three, one and, and Florida seemed bothered by it for like three possessions and then figured it out. And that was that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's concerning anytime you're now going to go on the road and play a team that's, that's really tenacious uh, in its man defense. That's great at pressuring the ball. That's great at denying ball reversals. Um, you know, like most of the Baylor teams, Jerome Tang has taken that with him, Eric. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can't really. There's not much that's going to carry over from one game to the next. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll see on, on that front. Um, of course, we'll talk lots about that game kind of moving forward. Um, before we uh, maybe talk about one of the players that all or another player that you know played really well, let's go to one player who had a very unfortunate night, terrible luck. We finally got to see Niles Lane, and as soon as he came, he was you know. <laughs> seemingly as soon as he arrived he was he was gone what did you think about uh some of those foul calls maybe or what did you what did you think uh, about well, what did you think about you know even getting laid in that game what is what what are your uh, what well, are your miles i've never seen a player foul out in five minutes um that's amazing um so there's that uh you know amazing in the worst possible way um i do think the technical on him was absolute nonsense uh I have no idea what he, you know, he must've said something horrific because he didn't, he certainly didn't do anything uh, other than get, you know, I mean, yeah, he committed a foul there, but that's not a reason to get punched in the face. (laughs) Um, So I have no idea why he wasn't shooting free throws and why a technical was called on him as well. Um, I did think a couple of the foul calls were little nickel dimers, as Bill Raftery might say. Um, you know, and it's sad because at the beginning, like it was flashbacks to last season. Like, oh, let's put in Niles Lane to guard the lottery pick who scored on three straight possessions. Oh, I he forces a turnover. Oh, he forces a travel. Like those were his two man-to-man possessions against Juju Jackson. And then he starts picking up fouls. And I think he had one nice play where he kind of saved a loose ball and prevented a turnover. So like he started out strong and then he fouled out like immediately. Do you think that like, again, this is also tough because the first time we saw Lane in nearly two months was against South Carolina, functionally a mid-major team at the SEC level. Now the Gators are going to play four really good teams or, you know, three and whatever you want to say. Um, four tough games for sure. Like, are you expecting team. to see? Are you expecting to see Niles Lane in any of those? Or like, what, is mean, it just going to be another another kind of eclipse moment where we'll be waiting for it for a little while longer? I don't know. I mean, you know, I think if Alex Fudge is not out of concussion protocol uh, this weekend, then you know you got to put somebody on the floor that might be able to deal with the fact that, like, so Keontae Johnson's whole game is. Not his whole game. That's unfair to Keontae. 
the best part of Keontae Johnson's game since he was a baby was attacking a closeout and then also the fact that there's just so little movement in his drives, right, Eric? Like he makes one decision and then he just goes downhill. Um, and everything is straight at the rim. There's not superfluous movement. There's not, it's two dribbles and he's just tremendous in the air. Fair? Fair. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I don't know. Like we just saw Niles Lane defend Gigi Jackson, who's not like Keontae in that respect, but two straight line drives off Gigi Jackson is all the sample size we got. And I was kind of like, well, you know, I wouldn't mind a few possessions if Keontae starts to cook or at least Lane can get out there and try to slow him down a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely a matchup of like for uh, Niles Lane at 6'5 and like 210 or 215 or whatever he is. Um, not that he's Keontae Johnson sized, but he's closer to it than uh, some of Florida's other wings. So that'll be interesting to see. But uh, yeah, it was just so unfortunate to see that he enters a game for the first yeah. time in forever, surprises everyone. And uh Probably had some pretty unfortunate foul calls. So uh, we'll be inter- I'll be interested to see if the Gators see him again, but it was definitely nice to, to have him in there at least for a little bit. Um, going back to a player who uh, doesn't quite have Keontae Johnson's size, but uh, might have you know similar athleticism. Riley Kugel was very, very good in this game. What were you seeing from, uh, from Riley? Yeah, first start for uh, Mr. Kugel, and I just thought played great. Um, he's the closest thing Florida has to a guy that is just lethal getting downhill and driving at the basket. Uh, we saw some nice drives from Wacey. I'm going to ask you about him uh, too, but um, you know, I mean, this, the skill set is there. I mean, Kugel makes mistakes and I'm not saying that he's NBA ready right now. I don't think Florida should have to worry about him being a one and done, but I love, uh, I loved his offensive game. I loved his shot selection. I thought he took intelligent shots. He didn't force anything. Um, and then I loved his active hands. I mean, he, he comes up with, you know, three steals, which, uh, you know, that's, that's great to see too, but he was Florida's most efficient shooter other. Yeah. I mean, other than Colin Castleton. Um, and he was the one guy that Florida had that looked pretty effective from three point range on a night where, Hey, look, the Gators were up 30 and shot like 28% from three. That might be another encouraging thing too, Eric. Yeah, I will correct you and just say that Riley Kugel did start a couple of games because if you remember, he was one of the only players to play well against UConn. Um, no, you're started, right. You're right. He started. I think he started in those whatever it was before yeah. that. Um, My a couple fault. a couple bye games, and then he actually started against UConn. Um, for listeners, the the only people that really played well against NBA athletes was NBA athletes. Alex Fudge played well. Um, Riley Kugel <laughs> yeah. played well, and then Riley Kugel kind of fell out of it for a little bit, but he is now back. So um, again, it was just one of those situations where similar to earlier in the season with Riley Kugel and Alex Fudge, um, of course, Fudge wasn't in this one, but there were those games where we're, the Gators would have buy games against mid-major opponents. And we just kind of mentioned that like, that's where there's, there's just moments where both Alex Fudge and Riley Kugel just out-athleted everyone on the floor. And I feel like he had a couple of those moments um, against South Carolina. So just valuable reps for him. Um, both defensively and offensively. Again, defensively, the Gators kind of matchups weren't ideal, I would say, against um, – while the Gators were pretty, you know, obviously the more talented team. 
against South Carolina, the, the kind of size matchups weren't super ideal. And there was some Riley Kugel having to guard Gigi Jackson. Um, and he, you know, had some, had some good moments there. So I think it just valuable, valuable reps for, for Kugel who continues to get better and shows that like, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time the Gators are in the final weeks of the season, um, if, if Kugel kind of remains a starter or is really like kind of commanding that first guy off the bench and, and maybe even closing games because um, he has shown those flashes uh, more than once now. Yeah, I think he should start. Um, I told Graham Hall that I'm sticking with it. Uh, what did you think of Kowasi Reeves? Second game in a row where we've seen the ball go in. Um, kind of, kind of got it going in the second half against Miss State. And it looked like that did a lot for his confidence, honestly. Like he made confident decisions. Uh, you could argue he still is taking shots really early in the shot clock that he must have a green light because he doesn't get benched when he does it. But um, what were your thoughts on his game? And, you know, six of 12, so not bad. High volume. Yeah, I mean, I'll take three for seven from the three-point line all the time for sure. Uh, for him to be able to get off those attempts. And it just, it, it was one of those games too, where some of those early ones he took and missed that were, were not great. It just makes you wonder like, Hey, if he didn't take those um, obviously percentages would be even a little better, but he definitely bounced back. He didn't have any, uh, uh, he didn't lack any confidence after a couple uh, pretty tough misses. And there's a couple of plays where he had his kind of worst shots. And then the next time he, he, or he made a good play on defense and then came down and got a layup on the other end. So uh, I, I do think that the shooting kind of like, is what it is in the sense that like, I think everyone's pretty confident in his ability to shoot the ball. So I feel like his game is really going to ride on what he's able to do at the rim and inside the arc and attacking. So for him to be three for five, like that's what you, that's what you really love to see. And, and, and again, I think you could, yeah, of course, point to the fact that his three point percentage in, in, I, I don't want to say that three point shooting is what it is because he has not shot the ball well in conference play. I he believe he's at like 17% in conference play. Yeah. But, uh, I think we, you know, I'll still have faith when he takes a good shot that it's going to fall. So um, I, I, I really just think for him, yeah, it's going to be, can he keep getting those straight line drives and, 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 and finishes. And again, when every time he has one, it just seems like he elevates around over every, any defender that meets him and, and just kind of shows that ability and, and uh, that, that, that talent. So um, I, as long as we see those, you know, two point attempts continuing to rise and be efficient, I think that there's kind of positive things to say about his game. Yeah, I mean, look, one of 28 at one point in conference play from three, five of 12 Ooh. in the last two games. So, you know, getting back to where he should be um, and really kind of unfortunate that that uh, halftime shot went in and out after such a beautiful play, Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found a good one at the end there, which again, that was another little success thing to see. Like, uh, again, of course, we have – plenty of questions about the offense and unfortunately they couldn't really be answered when you play a, a team like South Carolina. But one thing you do like to see is like the team executing in special situations and in a really short clock going that going the length of the floor, the Gators got a really good look. So even that, that one would have been good, not just for him, but for the whole team's confidence to be like, Oh, we executed something well and we got rewarded with the, the big bucket, but um, Hey, credit for the team for execution. there, getting a, getting a wide open shot when uh, it's hard to get one. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it wide open, in and out. I mean, you you gotta you kind of live with it. Um, what are you saying? Like, what's going right for Colin Castleton right now? I mean, he's before we before we get into this Kansas State game. I mean, because I think 
they need the Colin Castles that they've gotten the last three times out if they have a chance to beat Kansas State. And, I mean, he's just – he's playing the best defense of his career, I think. I think that, again, uh, Florida's defensive scheme, like, hey, they're, they're, we can say whatever we want. The results are what they are. What they are. Like, we could just stick with that. They've been top five in, in over – well, it used to be like, oh, like, look, the Gators are top five over this, like, in, you know, a couple weeks span. Well, it's like, well, now that couple weeks has turned into just over a month where the Gators have played like a top five defensive team. So the results are spectacular. And I, and I, we've talked about how Myron Jones, like, again, I think Myron Jones is most helped by the defensive scheme because he went from being a not good defender last year in that scheme to being a much better one this year. I think that Kyle Lofton has been like, that's one thing we really haven't talked about is like, he had some tough moments early in the season defensively and Florida's kind of more conservative taking away drives defense has helped him as well. But of course, like it's really helping Colin Castleton as well. And uh, for the Gators to play the drop pick and roll coverage, it's something that's perfectly suited for, for Colin Castleton who can uh, backpedal and, 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 and slide, making sure that rollers don't get behind him. And then if they want to pull up from the mid range, he's got the length to contest. So it's working really well, really well for him. And, also means he doesn't have to do what he was doing last year with the hedging and recovering, which puts defenders in hard positions. And we saw Kavarius Hayes able to execute that. And that's about the only center who's been able to do it at a really, really high level because it's very, very difficult to do. So I think he's getting helped by the scheme as well. Um, as much as we have talked about it for, for Jones, we should talk about it for other guys as well that have really been helped by the scheme. And I, I really think that the dropping of pick and rolls and the use of him as a rim protector by uh, the way that they're able to to kind of funnel run teams off the three-point line and, and and put him into Castleton, like they're the scheme is getting the best out of Florida's guys right now. And that's uh, very, very impressive. And then offensively, again, we've still seen some games where um, – it, Florida's offense and, and the way they've used Concaston has been a little bit frustrating, but I, I think offensively he's just at his best where he gets the ball and makes one move, like just a, a, assertive feels the defense and, and goes. It just seems to be when he tries to back. And this isn't even like a Concaston thing. It's post play in, in, in 2023 when we've learned that these possessions are not as efficient. It just like with every dribble, I think that any post player, even the excellent ones are going to become a little bit less effective. And there's times with like South Carolina where he just got the ball in a scoring area, felt a defender and, and attacked a weak foot. And I think that's where he's at his, at his best, but uh, yeah, playing, playing really good basketball. And that's exactly like you mentioned, they need, uh, they need this on Castleton if they're going to kind of hit what they hope is their ceiling. Oh, and we had, uh, let's just do this now. So we had a listener question um, from, Jack Welsh, who says, longtime listener, and Jack wants to know, uh, as a Indiana Pacers fan, um, <laughs> he said, what's the chance that Gigi falls in our direction in the NBA draft? So he said, is, is there an Eric Fawcett scouting report on Gigi Jackson? <laughs> um I have to look at the standings uh, a little bit to see exactly where, where Indiana is going to fall. I know that there's some talk about them, you know, still trying to blow it up a little bit more here at the deadline potentially, but uh, uh, they're always one of those teams that kind of lives in, in, in limbo and uh, can kind of go either way at this point. So um, I think with Gigi Jackson, like again, sixth grade, sixth ranked player in, in, in high school, I think the question for him was always like, Hey, do we think he can create a shot or not? 
And that's one thing where like, I even wonder if that kind of like played into his decision to stay home and go to South Carolina, because I, I know that there was a lot of, a lot of people and draft analysts that, that didn't think he could create a shot, didn't think he could shoot and just thought he was kind of a guy you, you face up in the, the high post and can maybe take one or two dribbles and try to score, which is not a style that you get to see very often in, um, in the NBA. Um, I, I just think he's a lot more polished than I expected. And probably a lot of people expected. And there's a time where guys like that came in and had a one and done year. And a lot of teams like 10 years ago would draft those guys really high, these really toolsy athletic forwards. And then they kind of like, it came a little bit like out of favor because teams would like develop those guys, go through their growing pains. And then by the time it got to a second contract, they'd go elsewhere. And yeah, um, that's uh you know, not a way to build a winning organization, but I think now to see that he's been able to, I'll, I'll say like create shots at a higher level that the shooting has been a little bit erratic, but I, I, I think he's an excellent player. So I, I really don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at the, the Pacers are 24 and yeah, the Pacers are 24 and 26. So they're going to be on the edge of like the lottery balls where they could still make the playoffs. Like you just said. So, Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I, I I don't think like personally I think that teams are going to take the upside swing before that, and I think I think he's going to slip into to the lottery. So we'll we'll see. I guess that question has a little bit more to do with will your Pacers decide to make a run at the play-in tournament and maybe better, or will they trade off some assets and 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 find out? But uh, thank you for thank you for your longtime listenership and your question, Jack. Yeah, no doubt. So before we get into Kansas State, just wanted to do something we had been promising to do and, and Eric uh, mentioned it. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to do a few of you every show, but, but uh, five Patreons that we just want to shout out tonight are uh, Drew Helmich, who um, is in our six man club. Uh, thank you for your support. Uh, we really appreciate it. We know that you've listened to her a long time and certainly uh, asked some great questions. Mark Lewis, same deal. Uh, six man club guy that's asked plenty of listener questions and, we appreciate you. Um, Jared Villamare, uh, another six man club guy, another longtime listener. Uh, super, super appreciative of your listenership. Our friend Sarah in Tampa Bay, six man club. Uh, we always love having Sarah uh, listen to um, the show and, and hit us up with questions or hit us up with retweets. So thank you to her. And, uh, Last one tonight will be Robert Kipping, who's uh, joined our six-man club as well. So thank you, Robert. I uh, really appreciate all of our patrons at Florida Basketball Hour. Yeah, all familiar names there. So uh, good to good to have you here. But uh, I, again, the, the questions we haven't done questions in you know a, a little bit for sure. I think is, especially as like games are happening and the Gators are all playing what seemingly are important games that the cat lose a lot of the time. It's like, uh, there's not as much room for listener questions, but we've always loved those. So maybe we'll have to, we'll have to mix in a, a listener question bonanza here sometime soon, but uh, hopefully the Gators are also just like winning games and uh, giving content to, to prepare for such as this. Um, I think, unless you have anything more on this South Carolina no. game, I think we can uh, get to uh, get to Let's Kansas state and uh, an, an event that I think we've all grown to grown to love um, and uh, unfortunately won't be able to see it forever, but that's the, the Big 12 SEC challenge. Yeah, last one. Um, Florida got Kansas State, and honestly, uh, when that was the draw, it seemed favorable. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it seemed yeah. like, hey, Florida finally got a break in this thing. You know, they they haven't 
they've they Florida always gets a pretty tough matchup. They're never like on the marquee board. Um, or rarely there's been a Florida, Kansas, I guess once. And then there was a really high profile Florida, West Virginia game, uh, once when press Virginia was really good. Uh, but you know, Florida usually ends up with these kind of sneaky, tough games. And this didn't seem like one, I mean, like put Jerome Tang's job in perspective, Eric, they rebuilt that roster essentially from scratch, right? Like it's incredible. They finished last in the league. Then their best player, Nigel Pack transferred to Miami. Um, And it was just kind of like, you know, what do you do when Bruce Weber stepped down? Uh, Jerome Tang takes the job. They land Keontae Johnson. They're not sure like what Keontae can offer really. Jerome Tang was openly admitting that. Um, and now they have a big 12 player of the year candidate in Keontae, which should surprise no one given that he's healthy. And uh, they're just a really, really good basketball team. Yeah. I do think that that's one of those things where like, uh, of course there's always like a, a lot of people who, whenever a team like this situation, exactly Kansas state picked to finish last in their league is now, you know, Technically, he's holding a share of the lead, I think, right now. So we'll say has a chance to, to win the league. And there's all the people that are like, yeah, see, like preseason polls don't matter and like media are stupid and all that. And it's like, hey, like, you know, there's plenty of stories <laughs> like this and maybe the media are stupid. But it's one of those things where it's like, I think if you would have told people that were voting that like, and again, there's obviously no way of knowing this, but that Keontae Johnson is going to look like exactly the player he was previous to the medical incident. I do think that would, of course, like, changed um, how some people would have voted and like yeah i think that i think even when this voting was happening there was a pretty common thought that was like Keontae johnson still might not play this year like i think there was a, a still a pretty common sentiment that maybe he plays this couple of games and then pieces out and, and gets the insurance settlement and like I, I again i i just like here is one situation where i don't look and like wow how could they have possibly been been picked last because if Keontae Johnson wasn't on this team, I still think that picking them last would have been reasonable. They still probably would have been better looking at how some of these guys have played. But if people knew that Keontae Johnson was going to be Keontae Johnson, yeah, they would not have, they would not have selected or some people maybe would have, but I don't think they would have been selected last. So uh, they've been outstanding. Keontae Johnson is Keontae Johnson. Like we can talk about him as much or as little as we want, because yeah, uh, we know exactly what he is. He's playing exactly like the Keontae Johnson we saw it, Florida. He is much. He's even shooting the ball a touch better even. Um, but he's been outstanding. And then Marquise Noel is, is one of the most fun players in the country to watch. I, I love watching him play. Um, and that's largely because like he's five foot eight and awesome. <laughs> and it's just really easy to cheer for guys who are five foot eight and awesome. Like when it comes to passing, he's second in the country in assist rate. He's averaging over eight assists a game, which is very hard to do. Um, as anyone knows would know um and uh he's also scoring like 17 points a game and he's getting to step back and hitting huge shot like he had some just like bomb after bomb after bomb against iowa state the other day um i i just love watching him play for it like everyone loves cheering for undersized guards getting it done for him to do it at the high major level for this kansas state team it's like super fun for him to watch and it's just like you know if the game's tight at the end of the game it's going to be Marquise Noel and and Keontae Johnson going two-man game and it's uh pretty deadly that duo is 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 very very good yeah they really are Marquise Noel uh for folks that don't know is a transfer played at Little Rock was a spectacular player 
at Little Rock, um, they were going to the NCAA tournament um, in the COVID year. And then there wasn't an NCAA tournament. But, I mean, Little Rock was a prohibited favorite to win their conference tournament. Let's just put it that way. Um, and Marquis Noel was a big reason why. And, and now uh, he's kind of leading that line. They have another guy who Florida fans will be familiar with, and Desi Sills, who's like a 23rd-year senior, um, <laughs> playing, uh, you know, like Desi Sills, not a guy that's going to shoot really, but a really, really good defender. Um, and a physical player. Uh, that's one thing that stands out about this Kansas State team is just how physical they are. Um, you know, they will absolutely get out and guard you. Uh, you better be ready for contact. They'll test the whistle a little bit, Eric, um, you know, and probably see what they can get away with at home early in the game. Uh, they are top 50 in Ken Palm in both uh, offense and defense. Um, so, you know, there's not necessarily a huge, uh, weakness as it is with that. And then they are, you know, they use Keontae in a bunch of different ways. They'll post him up. Uh, and you know, Keontae's pretty good in the post because of his body. They like to use Keontae <coughs> sort of their secondary guy in the pick and roll. Uh, Marquise Noel is spectacular in the pick and roll, by the way. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's another way that they use him. And um, so they kind of know who their, their bread and butter are on offense. And those two guys just happen to be super efficient. Okay. So this question could be approached subtly, but instead I'm just going to ask you straight up. So I think, well, when, when the Gators play Kansas state, Kansas state is going to have a number five next to their name where they are currently ranked in the AP poll. They are 26th in Ken Palm and 17th in the net. So that's 26th in Ken Palm, but fifth in the AP poll. Do you think this team is closer to the fifth best team in the country or the 26th best team in the country? I think they're closer to 26th. Um, so so yeah. I, will, I will tell you this, Neil, and then I'll let you keep going. And again, I, I, I don't know where this Florida team is relative to the Florida team I'm about to just reference, but this – game almost reminds me it, and we'll see what happens i'm not i'm not anticipating for what i'm about to say to happen but this almost reminds me of a game that you and me saw in person the one game you and me saw in person together where you picked me up at like the worst hotel in Kissimmee and, and drove drove to to gainesville where the gators played an auburn team <laughs> that i think was ranked fourth but they were like 17th in ken palm and i think we had the conversation of like huh like there's definitely like a little bit of a difference between like, it's like, you know, we had the conversation of like, Oh, I think this team is probably not, you know, the fourth best team in the country. They're probably a lot worse. And that Auburn team ended up like 33rd in camp bomb right now. I'm looking at this, this Kansas state team who I love. They're fun to cheer for, but they're ranked fifth in the AP poll, but 26th in Ken Palm. And I just, um, you know, I just, I just wonder if, if Kansas state is as good as their reputation is, but anyways, I, I interrupted you. So you, you were, you were, you were mentioning, you think they're close to the 26th best team. Yeah, I think they are. Um, I will note that of the teams in the top 10, um, only Kansas state and Arizona are in the top 100 in luck. Uh, so, you know, and Kansas state is, is the first of the teams in the top 10 at 26th in the luck metric. Um, and then a point that Eric made, um, I think it was off air, like 
at some point in the last couple of weeks. But a point Eric made that I think our listeners should know is, you know, this phenomenon of them being pretty dang good is pretty recent because in non-conference, they didn't really play anyone. Um, they had a win over Nebraska, who's decent. Uh, they had a win over LSU, who we have learned is not very good. Uh, and that was kind of it. I mean, they didn't really challenge themselves too much in the non-conference. Uh, and in fact, they got beat pretty badly by a Butler team that's fairly mediocre. Um, so, you know, I think um, this is more of a new phenomenon. Now, I do think some of that has to do with the fact that, like, Keontae has really gotten his feet under him. Um, and then, you know, they had that great win at home against Kansas, which, you know, they're 4-0 in overtime games, for example. Uh, which I think goes into that luck stat a little bit. Remember they beat Texas the day that Chris Beard got fired. Uh, so there's some stuff that kind of, you know, things that they're certainly fortune is blessing them. Um, but I also think that they're super well coached. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like I, I think a lot of people would think of, of, of me and you and just think that like, Oh, analytics guys kind of through and through. But one thing that I still would differ from like, some analytics people is like, like a lot of analytic people. Like I know Ken Palm's kind of like this. Ken Pomeroy is like that by the time a game gets into overtime, it's, it's kind of considered a little bit of a, of a coin flip. And um, in the way that like some of these late games, that kind of went to one possession. And I, and I understand that the sentiment of like one possession that wins or loses the game suddenly like, Oh, this team sucks because they lost or, Oh, they're incredible because they won. But it's like, I, I do think, while there is definitely elements of, of luck when it comes down to one possession games, there's also a lot of skill and coaching and, and execution. And I look at the four and O and, and the way that um, Kansas state has played in those games. And I think there was some fantastic coaching decisions, especially offensively um, by Jerome Tang. So I, I do think they're very well coached and having some veteran players is super helpful, but it, it is one of those things that like, again, I'm not anticipating the Gators to go and, blow out Kansas state in the same no. way that the Gators beat this Auburn team that a couple of years ago that I'm referencing. I, I mean, again, that Auburn game is also at home, um, yep. but it, it's one of those things that like, say the Gators are to win in, in any capacity, it would be one of those things where you would probably look at and say like, Oh, well they were 26 in Ken Palm. And uh, you mentioned top 50 in, in, in both offense and defense, but it's like they're 30th in offense and, and 40th in defense which is really good. I would love for the Gators to have those numbers right, right about now. (laughs) That's like similar to like the 2020 Gators or like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not like, right. That like those, that that's not really, you know, elite, like the Gators in in 2021 were like 40 and 40, um, which again is not 30 and 40, but like it's again, I guess what, what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is their Ken Palm numbers are, rather unimpressive or you know not not elite i shouldn't say unimpressive not impressive they're again i'm jealous of them i'd love for the gators to have those numbers i'd love for the gators to be 26th and ken pop but their numbers are not consistent with a team that's top five in in the ap poll um and of course we can also point out that um kansas state did also just lose um to iowa state who's iowa state's a very good team and it was at iowa state and they lost by four points so like it's not a bad loss penny stretch um but i do wonder you know they, they could even be ranked even if the, the new ranking came up before they played Florida, maybe they drop a spot or two, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see on, on, on Saturday. Um, is this team closer to the fifth AP role 
AP poll rank they have, or are they more like the 26th ranked Ken Palm team? Um, and, uh, but you know, it's uh, it, it maybe if you're looking for some optimism of like, oh man, how can the Gators get a huge win on the road? I would just say like, Hey, 30th offense, 40th defense in Ken Palm. That's a team the Gators can like, you know, hopefully play with, but we will see. Yeah. I was going to say that like, when you start looking at this team and, and you look at matchups, obviously Keontae Johnson's a mismatch for everybody. That's not something that shocks our listeners. One guy that I think is worthy of discussion is Naquan Tomlin, um, who is a six, nine wing was a Juco all American and a guy that, you know, that Juco all American to Baylor pipeline was all Jerome Tang um, at Baylor. That was his baby. He was their lead Juco recruiter. He goes and pulls the same thing, getting the Chippewa college, Chippewa college kid to come to Manhattan. And that guy is kind of a problem. He has huge length. Um, he is a good driver. They'll post him up. Uh, he's their best player in isolation. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Other than like, boy, I hope Alex Fudge plays. Yeah, I, I'm not like a huge fan of Naquan Tomlin offensively, but I think defensively he's 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 really, really good and, and kind of makes things work. And I know he's had some like big games offensively. And again, I think that Naquan Tomlin is a uh, beneficiary of playing with Noel, who is one of the best passers in the country, arguably the best passer. So um, he's a big target, rolls hard. Gators need to be aware of that. Um, and their pick and roll defense should be pretty good against that, but will be challenged a little bit. Um, but I do think he is their best defender. And it's it's kind of interesting because, again, it's like, they're again, 30th in offense, 40th in defense, pretty similar. Um, I will say, like, I test-wise, I do think this team is considerably better offensively than, than defensively. So, like, kind of matches Ken Palm, but I would have thought that it would have been a little bit more of a spread. And uh, I, I do think when you look at the the lineup, like, of course, like Keontae Johnson is a, is a, I would say a above average defender. I think Naquan Tallman is a really good defender. And Desi Sills is like, again, like his reputation has been as a, as a defender. I do think he's a solid defender, but not an elite one. But other than that, it's like, you know, Noel is a, a steal. He's awesome at getting steals, Noel. But he is five foot eight, and that's going to present problems. They play Ishmael Masood a lot, who transferred from Wake Forest. Um, good shooter, six foot nine, good length, but like not a very good. You know, he is. I would say like your stereotype of a stretch four, where he's not a great defender. Um, so again, I, I don't think they have great athleticism. I mean, again, that's weird. To, that's funny to say for a team that has Keontae Johnson and Naquan Tomlin, but like overall, I, I don't think that they're fantastic you know, defensively. And I don't think they have quite the guys that can like, like they have allusions to that Baylor defense that was really good at preventing ball reversals and really frustrating to play against. But again, I do think there are like some holes. And I think you are seeing that with, you know, a 40th, you know, ranked defense, which the Gators have had a couple defenses in that realm of recent years. And I think a lot of us were like, oh man, this is not a very good defensive team, but the Gators were in that 40th range. Well, that's where Kansas State is right now. So they have some big moments defensively. Um, but uh, yeah, they they also have some moments of, of, of not great defense. And that's one thing that like, again, it's, I'm not picking Florida's offense against, you know, really anyone right now, which unless they're playing South Carolina again, or a team in that range, but uh, I, I, I do wonder if like maybe they can find some matchups here, it, it, especially, you know, getting Masood in some pick and roll defense or something like that. They could get something going offensively. 
Yeah, and I think the other one is just they need to get Colin Castleton deep touches. They have to figure out a way to scheme that. Um, when you look at, uh, you know, Kansas State's two of their two of their lar- well two of their three losses, they just got dominated by a big. Whether it was Eddie Lampkin, um, who is nowhere near the player Colin Castleton is, with all due respect to Eddie Lampkin, uh, just feasting or Manny Bates who's coming off a knee injury, just absolutely dominating them to the tune of 22 and 11 in the Butler game. Um, You know, I think Florida has to, it starts and and ends sort of with, with Colin Castleton, you know, I'm not really sure um, that K-State has, you know, a big time counter to him. I know that they have played uh, Abayami Iola, in some possessions, but at 6'10", 220, he's giving up a lot of size to Colin, which doesn't happen much in the SEC. And then Nacon Tomlin obviously is is a really good athlete, but I don't think quite as polished a basketball player uh, as Colin. So it's got to be deep touches, though, because if you get Colin the ball at the elbow, I really think that with the help defense, you know, spectacular help player in Keontae, and some of their their length, they can disrupt that a little more easily. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I think that that's probably something we're going to echo in the next two weeks of games. To be honest, like I don't know if these are the, the kind of games where, yeah, these these post ups far from the hoop or face up from the high post is really going to be the the Gators' best look. But at the same time, it's one of those things where like. Florida's offense is going to continue to not be great. Maybe you give it to him in the high post, let him do his thing and see if he can get back in transition defense. Like again, with the Gators who just aren't producing a lot of great shots, maybe, maybe you try that, but I'm not really going into games thinking like, Oh, the game plan should be to get some like touches for, for Castleton in the mid post. It's gotta be, it's, it's gotta be deeper. And uh, again, if you can, of course, like get some switches, um, with some of that off ball action and the Gators are starting to run some, some after timeout plays that are a little bit more complex. Like, yeah, if you can get a switch with Desi Sills guarding Colin Castleton, that'd be fantastic. Of course, five foot eight Marquis Noel, they'll avoid switches at all costs. But if you get one or even get like a Will Richards switched onto him, that's someone who can go to work in the post. Like as if you were back in the OVC, like that's like, I'd like to see the Gators pick on a couple of those matchups um, for sure. And, and just yeah, stay away from some of those guys that are really good defenders. And, um, and one thing too, with Noel, like one of the best steals getters in, in, in the country. Um, that's one too, thing too, when you're talking about like help defenders, it's like, man, if you turn a, if Castleton turns his back and doesn't see like where Noel is, he's going to sprint halfway across the floor and, and poke that ball away. Uh, Noel is as good as that at that, like post player, you know, feels the defense starts backing down and you see that guard sprinting over and from the blind spot to, to poke the ball away that Noel is like the best at that in college basketball. So um, let's hope we don't have to see one of those plays, but uh, there's certainly a possibility. No doubt. Uh, you know, this Florida needs to get their share of turnovers. If K-State's not a terrific transition defense team, um, rated poor in that category by synergy. Um so, you know, maybe the Gators can get out and run a little bit too. We've talked about how that's vital for the Gators to get extra baskets. As we get ready to close things out, Eric, um, let's just run through the matchups and this the final SEC Big 12 challenge, and, and maybe we can get uh, some takes back and forth. So the first game of the uh, SEC Big 12 challenge is Auburn coming off the end of that 
the nation's longest home winning streak. They're going to head out to Morgantown and play a West Virginia team that is just truly bizarre. They are ranked 21st in Kimpom, but in last place in the Big 12. Your thoughts on that game? Oh, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one too. These are the two teams that I feel have like the least feel for for sure. Um, in in both leagues, like I'm still trying to decide how good Auburn is, it's, which is which again is I actually was going to give a comparison to that because again, so Kansas State is 26th in Ken Palm and Auburn's 24th. So like again, the Gators could play Auburn pretty tight, and again, that's you ought to obviously talk matchups, and the game isn't just played on Ken Palm, but like if if again, if you're looking for a reason, if you, if you're like someone or you're someone you know is like, oh man, the Gators are about to get pounded. They're playing the fifth best team in the country as per the AP poll. Just kind of like point out that, you know, even Auburn's a little bit better in, in Ken Palm and that's competitive. Um, but, you know, like I, I, I'm i just going to go, oh, I think the game, is that game you say that that's in West Virginia? I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with the home team and just go West Virginia there. Yeah, I'm going uh, Mountaineers too. The Mountaineers have played the most quad one games in the country for people that are wondering hmm. how their numbers are what they are. They played 11 quad one games. That's ridiculous. This will be 12. So all the Bob Huggins wash people, like we can have that debate on an off-season podcast, but um, some of it is like that they're three and eight in quad one games because they're playing just a murderer's row of schedules. Uh, so that should be an interesting one. That game is on ESPN at 11 a.m. At 1 o'clock, Alabama will visit Porter Moser. And Oklahoma. Oh, you know I love my fighting Porter Mosers, but this is a, this is definitely an Alabama one to me. I think they're playing like the best team in the country um, right now. I mean, again, they did have a little bit of trouble there with with Mississippi State, and again, the Mississippi State's very good defense made it difficult. But it's uh, very hard for me to uh, to to pick against Alabama here. So uh, keeping it, you know, playing at at Oklahoma should keep it interesting. But I, I got to go Crimson Tide. I muted myself. Um, so I'm also going crimson tide here. Uh, so, so far, no differences in our picks. I just don't think that there is anyone on maybe any team in the country that can deal with Brandon Miller. Uh, and certainly Oklahoma doesn't have anyone that can deal with Brandon Miller. I'm sure Porter will cook something up to keep it competitive, but that's kind of where I am on that. The next game is Iowa State at Missouri. That will be your flip two game. On the deuce, uh, I get people still call it the deuce. Well, I just did. Um, mm. Man, I I gotta go. Uh, Iowa State here, even though Mizzou, Mizzou's at home. I just think that uh, the Cyclones are playing a really good basketball right now. Yeah, I think I you know I mentioned before the Gators played Missouri that I think that uh, Missouri was a little bit uh, overvalued, which is just funny to say because it happens every single year. Um, when they didn't play a very good non-conference schedule. I think that Iowa State's playing very well. Like I mentioned, I thought Iowa State and Kansas State both played very well when they were up head-to-head, and Iowa State got the win. I think they're playing excellent basketball, so I think Iowa State wins, and I don't know what the you know what the betting line would be on that, but uh, I, I, I think Iowa State wins this one by by several possessions. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm going with, with Iowa State too, and I think, yeah, I'd love to see the betting line because that would be probably one I would put money on. I'm pretty confident in that in that pick. A game I'm less confident in is uh, Texas Tech, who's the lowest-ranked team in the Big 12 in Ken Palm. They will visit LSU, uh, who has really taken a swan dive in Ken Palm themselves. 
Um, so it, it works out. I mean, I guess like this matchup this weekend could have gone really bad for LSU, but they kind of get a Texas Tech team that I don't think is capable of necessarily blowing them out. And they're at home and they've got a long losing streak. Uh, I'm going to go Texas Tech, but I'm going Texas Tech close in this game. Uh, I, I just got a gut feel here for, for LSU. Um, I, I just think <laughs> I think they're a lot better than the team that has won or lost seven consecutive games. Um, I do think, uh, obviously, they've gotten hammered in the last oh, several. Um, but I, I, I think that um, this is I, – I, I like the matchup a little bit for, for K.J. Williams getting it done inside, and um, that's really about it. I think K.J. Williams finds, finds a way to get, to, to get it done and, and, uh, and, and shoot LSU out of this bad losing streak. So I, I will not confidently say the Tigers here. I like that pick. Uh, almost went that way myself. Texas at Tennessee. Um, I think if this game were in Austin, I would probably pick the Longhorns. Um, look, I know Tennessee is – is uh, way up in Kim Palm. Um, I'm just not terribly impressed with them offensively. Uh, so, like, I think that they're vulnerable and will be vulnerable in March. Um, but this isn't March. This is Rick Barnes in a nationally televised game at the end of January, playing in Knoxville against a school that, you know, sort of forced him out. Uh I think Vols, and I think Vols big. Yeah, I'm with you on that one too. I I, I don't know what I'm going to do in March, man, because this is not this wouldn't be the first time I've bought into Tennessee and they uh, like poorly in the tournament. But I, I I really think they're better than. Well, I I mean I, everyone knows they're really good, but there's still some teams or some people that are like, oh, they're you know their offense isn't great, and that's yeah. Like I still me. like their <laughs> yeah, and, and I I like I like their offense. I think their offense is better than what it has. The results have been um, so. Eventually, that'll be put to the test, but I don't think it will on, on on Saturday at a high level. I do think that the Volunteers win this one. All right, that's so. Uh, we are uh, in lockstep on all picks, but one. This is another interesting one. TCU heads to the hump, and they'll play uh, Mississippi State at three o'clock. That game's on ESPN too. I'm going with the Bulldogs in this one. I think uh, this should be an interesting basketball game between two. Um, of the best defenses in the country. I know TCU is a little bit better offensively, um, you know, and, and TCU has, has really done the work out of the league too. They're unbeaten against non-conference power six opponents. And none of those games were close. Granted, one of them was against Cal, which, you know, is power six in name only, but they did blow out Iowa. But for some reason, I just think Starkville tough place to play. Great defensive team. Uh, Miss State's coming off a performance that should give them some confidence against Alabama. I'm going Bulldogs. I haven't seen what's happened to uh, Eddie Lampkin, the big six foot eleven, like the player we kind of hope that Jason Shobo will turn into. But he missed their last game, um, so that could potentially play a big role. But I think uh, I think Mike Miles is going to get everything he wants in, in in transition, and they'll get some some buckets before that Mississippi State defense gets set up. And I'll go Horn Frogs to win this one. There you go. See, I'm writing these down in case like <laughs> there's a chance that, you know, like one of us can claim this as a consolation prize for like mm-hmm. over under an over under loss. Um, Cause this is just so fun. Another fun game. Arkansas visits Waco to play Scott and Baylor five o'clock on ESPN. Give me the bears. I uh, just no Nick Smith, no dub in Waco. 
Yeah, I think too, like uh, Baylor right now, which is like, it's crazy to say, but he they're 90th in defense in Ken Palm. And there is definitely some, uh, some rumblings from uh, some coaches I know that uh, definitely said like the defensive culture there was Jerome Tang. So yeah. maybe that's another thing that you, you know, point to the early success at, at TC or at TCU, um, at Kansas State and, uh, and say like, oh, that's like, you know, this guy, this Jerome Tang, I can really coach. But yeah, um, defensively, they have not been the Baylor where I used to, but offensively, they absolutely have. So um, I, I I love Baylor this year. Um, another team I'm, you know, going to really love uh, when it comes to bracket time. But uh, yeah, I got Baylor winning this one for sure. The marquee game for most people, uh, not for me, but Kansas at Kentucky. Um the Jayhawks head to Rupp Arena. Really fascinating game. Like, when's the last time a Bill Self team went anywhere on a three-game losing streak? Um, but that's where they're at as they head into Rupp against a Kentucky team that seems like they're figuring it out. Uh, man, I, you know, I just don't think that they're going to have any answer for Jalen Wilson. And, uh, you know, Grady Dick's shooting slump can't last forever. Give me the Jayhawks at Rupp. Yeah, I mean, at Rupp makes it, you know, I guess a little bit more interesting. But uh, this is uh, – I, I love this Kansas team. And it's 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 a fun one because, again, I don't think their talent is, like, elite. But Bill Self is elite and has guys that, that fit in, in a – you know, in, in where he needs them to be. So uh, Kansas riding a three-game losing streak, but I think that'll that'll come to an end. There's just – yeah, it just it, – it would be crazy to me to pick – Kentucky over over Kansas right now I I know that that you know I think Ken Palm has has a Kentucky win in this one but I I still feel like Kansas has uh, got to be the favorite I'm going to take Kansas all right and then two more um we have Ole Miss visiting Oklahoma State um that's a seven o'clock game on oh sorry an eight o'clock game eight o'clock tip on ESPN2 uh yeah I mean Sorry, the Kermit Davis era is almost over. I guess that's the good news for folks in Oxford. Uh, this one will get out of hand early, I think. Um, yeah, I think I'm actually going to be maybe, you know, doing my writing at Gator Country during this one um, or maybe doing some Patreon content because uh, I don't think I really want to tune into this one. Um, yeah, their uh, Ole Miss has been a d- disaster. Um it's time for Dusty May's name to come up in, in coaching searches um, for that one, perhaps. Um, but I, I do think Oklahoma State is just going to suffocate them defensively and win. And then we have uh, Kansas State host the Florida Gators uh, game at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Look, man, I just think Florida is going to be locked in. Chance to play Keontae Johnson. Uh, I think the Gators are spectacular defensively. I love the way Florida's guards are playing right now. And I also think Florida's just kind of due to win one of these games. Give me the Gators on Saturday. Close. I love that. You can look at that. Again, those unremarkable Ken Palm numbers for Kansas State. Um, It gives you some confidence for sure. Um, I still think that the home court advantage that Kansas State has had, and, and it's not like they've been known for a crazy home court, but now that they're good, their home court has been spectacular. Of course, they had the court yep. storming against Kansas and and that awesome moment of, of Jerome Tang being like, okay, we got you the court storm, but like from now on, these are expected, so don't storm the court. I thought that was a cool, cool moment. Yeah. But their home court's um, 
pretty rowdy. I don't love all the matchups um, for like, like, I don't think the matchups are all like favorable to Kansas state by, by any means, but um, you know, they've shown the ability to, to win close games against good opponents. The Gators haven't. I'm going to go Kansas state. No, I can't, uh, I can't fault you for, for that prediction by any stretch of the imagination. I think, um, you know, obviously Florida, like I said, you know, I'm saying that they're due to win one of these games. Well, they haven't really. So mm. uh, that would, you know, that would be something new, I suppose. Right. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen, we haven't seen that happen. Uh, Bramlage Coliseum is uh, not a huge building, but uh, it'll be rocking. I guarantee you. And, and a nighttime tip, I think ESPN, was all over the Keontae Johnson story. As soon as he transferred, they set that game in the, the early prime time to whet people's appetite for Kansas, Kentucky. So I think um, should be a spectacular one, but I will let Eric sign us off. And uh, we just really appreciate all of you for, for listening to our show. Yes. We appreciate you so much. Looking forward to seeing how our, how our picks do and seeing who has the, the better record deal. That'll be good. So go Gators and keep attacking closeouts.